Coming up on the Men at the Movies podcast, Britt and I celebrate the 30th anniversary of Tombstone. This story takes place in a time of chaos and lawlessness, but through that context, we discover the right reasons to fight, who our true enemy is, and the power of having the right friends beside us. I'm your Huckleberry. Join us as we discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story. The story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me for this uh, ride out into the American West, my uh, Tonto to my Lone Ranger, <laughs> Brett Mooney. Hey, Brett, how you doing today? <laughs> Who you calling we, Kimosabe? <laughs> you remember that joke? <laughs> there was, a, there was no. a whole joke where the Lone, the lone Ranger and Tonto... Uh, they're riding out on the range, whatever, and they're surrounded by a, a, a tribe of violent Indians. And and the Lone Ranger says, "Well, I guess we better get ready to fight." And Tonto goes, "Who's we, Kimosabe?" <laughs> <laughs> um, no, man, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Excited to uh, jump into Tombstone. Uh, this is, I guess, technically. The twentieth anniversary of this movie is, is this year. Yeah, it came out in ninety-three. That's thirty years. I can't do math. This is the thirty <laughs> year anniversary of Tombstone. Yeah, we didn't even plan it that way. <laughs> yeah, it just came out. And it, actually that was you sent me a list of movies at the beginning of the year, and as as you do, you keep adding to them. We were talking about um westerns. We hadn't done a western. Except yeah. for possibly the man from Snowy River, the Australian Western, but not an American one. Yeah, that, so, I don't count that as a true Western. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, here's some Westerns. And and this is definitely a guy movie, man. I mean, I, I don't oh my know gosh. a guy who doesn't love this movie. This came out when I was in college. Yeah, and- me too. Instantly became quoted for the next four years. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> and actually, line. you even sent that to me while you were watching it. <laughs> I did. So we're going to talk about Tombstone today. And one of the things that you noticed, Britt, was the volume of high quality actors oh, in this. Even guys before you knew who they were. Right. Michael Rooker was in it. Right. Who's, I mean, everywhere now, it seems like. Um, <laughs> Billy like Zane, Walking Billy Dead Bob Thornton, ch- little the, chubby Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even Jason Priestley, you know, Jason the 90210 Priestley. shows up. He he was he was giving some space to Kelly for a while so he could go do a Western. <laughs> And even, you know, going farther back, you've got, well, Terry O'Quinn's the mayor. He ends up, he's locked and lost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, it's no Western without Charlton Heston. Oh, my gosh. 
Well, or I, Sam I, Elliott or uh, Rich Robert Mitchum doing the narration. Sam Elliott might be one of the coolest people who has ever walked the planet. Like, I don't know what kind of person he actually is, but every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, that's like so much cooler than anybody could ever be. I don't know how he does that, but. Yeah, we probably should put Big Lebowski up on the list. Because oh, he's the, the little mentor guy there towards the end, yeah. right? Yeah. Sam Elliott shows up in that movie. The dude abides. Yeah, but Bill Paxton, Michael Bean. I mean, Michael Bean, uh, the guy who played the William Curly Bill. He was a character actor. I Powers his name. Booth. Yeah, Powers Booth. Yeah. Um, I mean, just they were recognizable names. There's a couple of big stars, but there was a lot. A lot of them were recognizable movie guys. Yeah. Um, even Dana Delaney. So I, I was just, I was just. Reminded. Oh, and by the way, just a little note of trivia. Wyatt Earp with Kevin Costner came out not long after this. And not as popular. And was not as popular. And it was funny because they were they were trying to compete. They were literally trying to compete because I think Kevin Costner wanted to do a Wyatt Earp movie, but didn't like the script for Tombstone or something went on. And so he went off to do his own thing. And this movie was huge. This movie was so huge. Well, I think on the spectrum, on one end, you've got Young Guns and Blazing Saddles. <laughs> on the other end, you've got Wyatt Earp and Tombstone's nicely in the middle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of Westerns. And we didn't even mention Lowell. Thomas Hayden Church was oh, yeah. in this. Yeah. Lots of dudes. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church from a movie that I've seen that Brit hasn't. Brit has not seen Sideways, at least not right. yet. Not yet. So, uh, so I was. I think this is the first movie that we've discovered that I've seen that you haven't. That's you know more than five years old. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brit, we we talked and we've been talking for like an hour. We've been emailing and and texting. It's pretty easy when you look at this movie to be like, oh yeah, we love Tombstone. You know, whether you're in college or rewatching it again, it's like, man, this resonates. We get something out of it. But when we look at the why, because you, we were talking and some of the challenge was, well, that says this and it says this. It's like, yeah, but that's not really why we like the movie. As as uh, Corey, who talks, he he says he frequently watches a movie to see where the sermon come can come out of it like that's all not like a good sermon point isn't always why we love the movie Mm -hmm. so when we're looking at this kind of trying to blend those two together to dovetail them together you know when you take why do we love this movie with what can we learn from it what did you see Two things, twofold. I I think that it's kind of a revenge story, and we like that. Um, you know, there's so many examples of that. But I think at its core, it's not just a revenge story, because I think revenge stories, if it's just vengeance, kind of, it's not great character, right? You're, you know, yeah. like at some point that breaks down. And I tend to not like the vengeance as we <laughs> we discuss it. Like, don't like the Northmen, didn't like the Terminalist. 
Yeah. So what movies do and what stories do is they try to give us a character who is dangerous but wants peace. They, they're, they're, they're giving us a character who's dangerous, who may, maybe has a history of danger and violence and has skill in that area, but is trying to choose not to. Like, that's an interesting character to most guys. Like, I know I could be dangerous. I know I can be violent, but I'm choosing to be a peaceful person. I'm choosing not to be a violent person. And this is, you know, again, going to one of my favorite guys, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about, <laughs> like, like we all have to admit to ourselves we are capable of great violence and evil. Like, mm. in order to be a good person, you have to admit to yourself that you are capable of being the monster. That uh, you, you have to admit that to yourself. And so... Wyatt Earp is one of those sort of people, and we love these characters. Where whether it's John Wick or the or the Liam Neeson character in Taken, and and we love these characters who who end up on a sort of vengeance journey, but they really they they're not enjoying vengeance. They're not enjoying the violence as much, although they're maybe at times they do. They just happen to be good at it, but really life puts them in a situation where they have to fight for other people, where they have to save their daughter, where they have to, you know, get revenge on their dog, whatever it might be <laughs> that, that um, and, and, and we can understand that, oh, okay, well now that's, that justifies letting the danger out, letting the danger out because it's for a good cause. And so I think that's, that's one of the elements of this that they're really playing into with Wyatt Earp and to some degree, Doc Holliday. And I think the other, the second reason we like this movie a lot is because of the relationship between Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. This, uh, we, didn't, we didn't really argue, but we were just having a discussion on Tuesday about, is this Val Kilmer's best role? Like, he carries this movie as an actor. Yeah. Like, he, his, and, and the acting is kind of average for the most part in this movie. But his acting as Doc Holliday carries this movie. For sure. And and he's been in a lot of great movies, but and maybe The Doors is up there with this as far as great acting that he's that Val Kilmer's done. So, but we love that relationship between these two men. And and I think that's another reason why men love this movie. Because these guys are committed to one another despite their faults. So you talk about Wyatt and you talk about Doc Holliday. But if I ask you, who are your top two, your two favorite characters in this movie? Because I have to say two, because if I just say favorite, obviously it's going to be Doc Holliday. Right. But if I say, okay, who's your next favorite character in this movie? It's not going to be Wyatt. Right? Mm, no. Who is it? Oh, it's Ringo. For Hands sure. down. Which is interesting. Because, yeah. Johnny freaking Ringo. I had uh, one of my RAs in college was John. Uh, we, so we called him Johnny, Johnny Ringo all like even oh, today. Yeah. 30 years <laughs> later, we still say, Hey, have you heard from Johnny Ringo? <laughs> um, I will say there's one line that annoys me is where he says, yeah, it's a, he quoted a line from revelations. <laughs> it's not revelations. It's the revelation. <laughs> 
That's bad. That's bad writing. I mean, I don't care and for it's Christians. It's that trope where I mean, the bad guy always knows some piece of <laughs> right, rare, yes. like right. obscure scripture. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it goes with this character. And I was talking before about how he's self-aware of his own evil. Yeah, he's the opposite of Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp knows he's dangerous but wants peace, and knows he even likes to be dangerous. Like he knows he could be that monster. Yeah, and Johnny Ringo has just become the monster that why I've already could be. done the deal. I've done the deal with the see devil. The Faustian yeah. play. So when we talk about this movie, what do we love? Why do we love it? It shows us three rights. Basically it shows us the right reasons. Why do we engage in battle in warfare? It shows us who we're battling in Johnny Ringo. And, and as we're going to talk about how that's actually a reflection of who we can become. And then finally, the, we need to have the right allies on our side, the right friends, companions, as we do the fight to keep us from sort of not to go star Wars, but from going to the dark side. Yeah. So we're going to start with, you know, the synopsis of the movie wider. He's retired from, he's a lawman. He's retiring, wants to go make some money, settle down, set down some roots with his brothers, sort of build the family, build a fortune. He's really, he's like, my my fight is done. I've done my duty. I'm quitting. And we see that very early in the movie. And basically the rest of the movie is how, how he gets drawn back into the battle, the fight over right and wrong. And, and what we're going to discuss is how that battle is very infrequently against actual people external to us and frequently about our internal fight of who we are becoming. But we see this scene early in the movie where he gets off the train right after, you know, interestingly, right after Ringo's quote from Revelations about the pale horse with death riding on him and hell's coming after. And we see Wyatt come out. We see him, you know, sue the horse and then... A U.S. Marshal shows up, and in in his response, we see sort of our desire of, I just want to take it easy. Mr. Earp, my name's Dake, Crowley Dake, U.S. Marshal for this territory. Forget it. I'm retired. Excuse me? I said forget it. I don't want the job, and that's final. I don't think you understand. Oh, you don't understand, Marshal. I did my duty. Now I'd like to get on with my life. I'm going to Tombstone. I see. Easy on the green. I'm striking rich. Here you go. Well, all right, that's fine. Tell you one thing, though. Ever saw a rich man didn't wind up with a guilty conscience? I already got a guilty conscience. Might as well have the money, too. Good day now. And I think with these three guys that we're really focusing on, Wyatt, Doc Holliday, and Johnny Ringo, they're all capable. They're all competent. They're dangerous. They can be dangerous. But what we see is Wyatt doesn't want to do that anymore. He's like, my fight's over. My days are behind me. I'm done. I just want to make a little money, find a little piece of dirt. And that's not necessarily bad, but what we see, especially early in the movie, is he is a selfish man who's using his skills and talents out to in service of the self. Mm -hmm. Right. Even that great scene with with Billy Bob Thornton and he, you know, disarms, uh, you know, 
jerk that smoke wagon. <laughs> you just you're gonna do something. Or you're just gonna stand here and bleed. <laughs> and it's not out of a sense of right or wrong. It's a sense nope. of I can take advantage of this situation and and put myself in a fortuitous situation. Well, and that's that's kind of how the movie opens. So the movie opens with this sort of discussion and narration by Robert Mitchum of of the West, the lawlessness, yeah. the chaos. And what I wrote down was what kind of person will you be in a time of chaos? Mm. What type of person are you going to be when there when chaos abounds? Are you going to be the opportunist? And that's that's who that's who Wyatt Earp has decided to be. He's decided to be the opportunist. I'm going to make money. I'm going to, I'm going to I'm going to make money off of the chaos and the and the lawlessness. And we're going to get to why that's important in a second. You can be the the villain just just spread the chaos, right? And just be a part of the chaos, which is who Johnny Ringo is. Or you can be the hero. Or you can be someone who fights the chaos, who fights the monsters, who fights for other people. You know, you, you know, you can be that person. But he's he thinks he's already been that person. He yeah. said, "Well, I've, I've I've been that person, and what do I have to show for it? I've got a wife who's a drug addict. I don't I don't have my family around me. I want peace. I've had." chaos i've had hurt i've had pain trying to do what's right and i think all of us can relate to this how many of us have tried to fight for what's right and felt like we failed or felt like nobody listened or felt like as much as we fought they still went down the bad road as much as we pleaded and begged and stood up for what's right people still did what was wrong yeah. um and People still get killed by cops, even though we say don't kill, you know, you know we think it's wrong or whatever, you know, like this, the, the chaos still abounds. And so we and so there's sort of like a, a giving up to being the hero. And so you've only got two choices after that. You can either be the villain and we're like, well, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be Johnny Ringo. He shoots. I don't want to be Johnny Ringo. So <laughs> what, maybe I'll just be the opportunist. But here's the thing. You don't get to compromise. You, you don't get to be the opportunist because the opportunist will eventually become the monster. Right. Like you don't, you, you don't get to make that decision. You, you don't get to be on the fence. You know, what is it in the karate kid? You know, karate do karate, no do, you know, no, maybe like squish like grape. Uh, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't get that. Like, like this in between thing where you just, I'm just going to live for me in a world where people are hurting is is it doesn't work because you will just eventually become someone who's hurting other people. That's what you're going to end up becoming. Uh, and so, but that's who we see. And I think, but just to relate to people, that's I think we all can relate to that. We've all been at that point where it's like, especially if, you know, if you have worked in nonprofits or you've worked with the homeless or you've worked in prisons or you've worked really fighting on the front lines of brokenness and hurt people and you just, and it doesn't stop. It yeah. doesn't stop. And you're like, well, I'm out. 
I can't do this anymore. And I'll just do it for me. I'll just make money. Um, and uh, what was it in uh, The Wedding Singer where he goes to the bank and he was like, I want a job. I just want money. Uh, I like money. Uh, you know, <laughs> or, like, like he's like, it seems to work for other people. Why can't it work for me? And David, David deals with this in one of the Psalms where he's like, I see the wicked prospering. Yeah. And I'm doing what's right and I suffer. Like, what the heck? God, of course, that psalm doesn't end there, right? Then I went into the land of the living. I mean, I went into the house of God, and I saw, and I understood their end. I understood that there's more to life than the moment. So anyway, so that's what we see with Doc Holliday, I mean, with with Wyatt Earp. And and I think that, I I actually think it's a really cool little scene there. I love that. It says a lot to me. What we see is the our choices, like he's checking out of the battle, checking out of the fight, doesn't want to be on the law side. But when you're when you're living this, what he's seeking is a little comfort, little security, little stick my head in the sand. If I ignore it, it won't bother me. I'm not trying to get in the way. I'm not trying to do this. Like even when uh even when Curly Bill was, you know high and shooting ever shooting ever everything he even tells the marshal don't go out there just let him burn it off (laughs) meanwhile like i don't know how somebody didn't die like he's shooting at people shooting into the buildings right i'm pretty sure somebody did at least take a bullet somewhere and it's our our desire for comfort security it could be you don't need to be necessarily in ministry to feel it it could be oh, with oh, your yeah. kids. It could be getting overlooked for the job. You're like, I'm, you know what? I, I just got, you know, passed over for a promotion for the last time. I'm just going to coast, do the bare minimum, go home, enjoy my salary, do the, do the bet. It could be with your wife, could be with your kids. I'm just going to, I just want a little bit of comfort, a little bit of peace. You know, if I could have sex on a routine basis with the wife, if I could, if my kids would just behave enough to go to college, then they can do whatever they want. You just want a little peace and quiet because your duty, you're like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I don't, the long, you know, I'm thinking of if Wyatt Earp's out there, his long, his weeks and months away from home pursuing fugitives and living on the prairie of the West and, you know, days and days on horseback, like it's an uncomfortable way of life. But uh, you know, our pastors at church is, is starting a series talk. Basically, our story's not finished. And we know that God isn't done with us because we're still above ground. Right. <laughs> but so many of us was like, oh, well, I've done my, especially people who are getting older. Mm-hmm. I've like people who are literally retired. And be like, oh, I'm, I'm retired. I don't, especially if that job was your security, your identity. Like now, what do I do? One of my favorite stories is people is George Mueller, who mm-hmm. did so much work for the orphanages in England, and but always wanted to be a missionary. And so, at the age of seventy, he finally got to go on a foreign mission and had I over twenty it. years. He had a full career after seventy of being a mis- of being a missionary. 
and I think part of it is our desire for comfort, convenience, a little peace and quiet, a little cash on the side, not having to, to extend ourselves, work too hard. But the other side of that is fear. We're afraid we, you know, we're afraid that if we stand up to the, to Billy Bob's character, that he is going to pull that smoke wagon and fire down on us. And, <laughs> and we won't be able to, we won't be able to, to fight that. We won't be able to handle it. We won't be able to, right. to, you know, sort of manipulate. We won't be able to control the situation. Like we see Wyatt and Doc Holliday doing. Sure. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite stories along the lines of, you know, quote unquote, retiring friend of mine, Tim Turner, who I've known for a long time, is in his early 60s. He was in his early 60s a few years ago and salesman his whole life. I mean, loved Jesus, served in church, served in all sorts of different ways in the community. It wasn't like he was just just doing a job, you know, loved his family, raised a great family. And. He's in his early 60s when his mother dies. And he's coming back from the funeral. He's driving back from the funeral with his wife and a couple of his kids. He's got five total, but only a couple were in the car, in the van at the time. And he's coming back from the funeral and he says, when we get back, I'm quitting my job. I can't do this anymore. I have to do something else. And he started an organization called Satisfeed that gives food to the hungry. And he's more alive now in his 60s and has more purpose now in his 60s than he ever did living what some people would have called a great American life, you know? And and I, and I, and I love this guy. He's inspiring to me. It's like the, it's like the story is just, it's almost like the, his story is starting. As, yeah. you know, like, like when other people would try to retire and just get the boat and go fishing or play pickleball the RV and do, <laughs> you know, golf. go see the, you know, Adirondacks <laughs> or something. Um, you know, he's like, no, no, no. The adventure is starting. Yeah. And I love that spirit. I love that heart because that's Jesus, man. That's the heart of Jesus. And, and I, and, and again, you know, some people just want to whatever, do whatever they do, but, but I, I just love that. Like you're saying, like, is it fear? Is it, this is what I'm owed. But I think people come more alive with purpose than they are, yeah. than they do sitting around fishing. I'm not saying fishing is bad. It can be really fun, uh, especially with a couple guys, but, right. but, what I'm saying is, is that people come alive with purpose and that's where we're getting to with the right reasons. What were the right reasons? Um, and that's why I was getting to with the choices of what we do during chaos. Um, we have options and who are we going to be? Are we going to be the kind of people because what it ends up, because he keeps trying to like compromise with the cowboys who, who are kind of the face of evil here he keeps trying to compromise. Let's live and let live. We don't want any trouble, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, he ends up having to stand up for the sheriff or the marshal who got, gets killed, the Fred guy. Yeah. Um, because the Fred, even though he tells the guy, just leave him alone. He's like, somebody has to go out there and I'm the guy with the badge. Yeah. And the other sheriff 
isn't the law, right? He's in the pockets. He's of aligned the enemy. with the cowboys. Yep. Then Wyatt steps in, and but because the enemy won't let you, like I said, you don't get to make the choice. The enemy won't let you just live in the middle. Uh, the enemy will make you submit to itself, one way or the other, or you'll have to stand up against it. And and so then then you have so we're going with the right reasons. There's a great conversation when Virgil finally says, "That's enough." I told you we weren't getting involved. You got us involved and you brought us here. Now you hold on a minute, Burge. Hold on nothing. I walk around this town and look these people in the eye. It's just like someone slapping me in the face. These people are afraid to walk down the street and I'm trying to make money off that like some goddamn vulture. If we're going to have a future in this town, it's got to have some law and order. Please, Burge, don't do this to me. It's got nothing to do with you, Wyatt. It's got to nothing do with to do with me. I'm your brother, for Christ's sake. God, I don't believe this. Talk to him, will you, or hit him? Ah, oh, God, don't tell me. Like you said, Wyatt, we're brothers. Got to back your brother's play. Just did like I figured you would. All right, now you listen to me. Oh, first time in our lives we got a chance to stop wandering and finally be a family. Now this is trouble we don't need. You saw what happened to Fred White? We know what we're doing, Wyatt. Okay, fine. Say you're right. Say you don't get yourself killed. That's something else. All those years I worked those cow towns, I was only ever mixed up in one shooting. Just one. But a man lost his life and I took it. You don't know how that feels, Morton. Believe me, boy, you don't ever want to know. Not ever. There's a line from, it's not scripture, but it's you too, so it's close, right? <laughs> from their song, Peace on Earth. And it says, they say that what you mock will surely overtake you, and you become a monster, so the monster will not break you. Mm. And that's what we see like the our choice and Virgil's choice and and their choice, you know, why it went up. I told you we weren't getting involved. Well, if you don't get involved, you become the monster mm -hmm. because you're going along with it. You're saying that's okay. He's like, I I'm not going to make money off of their pain and their suffering. Right. We can do something about it, even if it costs us something. Whether that's yeah, getting shot or whether you know Morgan. And he talks about his loss of innocence of shooting someone and all this. Mm -hmm. and, and Wyatt wasn't willing to pay the price to go through that once again. Yeah, and, and, I, and I can understand that. I can understand not wanting to get in the fight because there's a couple of reasons. But first, let's just say that he, the choice is you're going to pay something either way. It's going to cost you something. Either way, you don't get to yeah. be the opportunist. That's that's the lie of the middle choice. I get to I get to profit off of this, but no, you actually lose your soul. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what Virgil is trying to say in his own way, and in a very much cooler guy than me, Sam Elliott sort of <laughs> gravelly voice. He's saying, "I I'm losing my soul, Wyatt." Yeah, like you didn't take us into New York City where there aren't any opportunities and we just get a regular job at a factory. 
Like that's not the piece you want. You want the kind of piece where you get to make a lot of money, but that that opportunity happens in in chaos and confusion and we're making money off of their pain. And that's not right. And I, I can't do it anymore. And, and I have the ability to do something. If I don't do something, then I become, like you said, I become the monster. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want, I can't lose my soul. I might lose my life, but I don't want to lose my soul. Right. And, and that's a bigger cost. Well, that's what Jesus says, doesn't he? To say, you know, why fear man who can take your body? That's fear right. God who determines where your soul, what happens to your soul. That's right. He can kill your body and, and send the soul. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there, there's, there's a, there, there are bigger things at stake than just my physical life. There's my soul is at stake, and that's an eternal thing. But I get not wanting to get back in the fight because when you're in the fight, it costs you stuff too. And so you're trying to avoid that pain and that cost. It's you're, you're, and, and, and you come face to face, even when you're fighting the mm. right fight, you come face to face with your own inadequacy and your own evil. And that's where we get Johnny Ringo. That's where he's the foil. He, he is who Wyatt could be. And he's afraid of that. And we should be afraid of that. We should be afraid of becoming that person. So, but that doesn't mean that we then do nothing. It means that we have to be honest and say, I, I have to be honest that I'm capable of this. Because if you're not honest, then you will become that, right? If you're not, because it's a lie and lies just lead you to that monster guy. And that's really where the battle is. Right. We, we talk frequently, you know, Paul talked about it. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and authorities and principalities. It's basically the dark supernatural forces of the world. We like to think it's for whoever disagrees with us. <laughs> whoever doesn't have the same political bent or uh, societal bent or, you know, who views things differently. But really, all those things do, and, and as you mentioned, the chaos, all that the chaos does is it illuminates who we are or who mm. we are becoming. Mm. Are we becoming like Johnny Ringo, who does a deal because he's like, I have these gifts. I have these talents. I'm going to use them to promote myself, to take care of myself, to protect myself. Or can you do like Wyatt does? And use them in service for justice, for the law. But again, not fighting the enemy outside, but the enemy that you're trying to not become, right? The temptation is it's very easy to become a monster. Mm -hmm. That's why Jesus said, consider the plank in your own eye. Right. How, what monster am I becoming? Is it a monster? That's so good. Of judgment? Is it a judgment of division or a mon is it a monster of division? Is it a monster of hypocrisy, of condemnation, of shame, of regret? Of, I mean, it, there's, there's, we all have certain bents and certain temptations, the, the dark side of the coin of who we could become. The beauty of that verse, and, and it's, it's kind of a pet peeve verse to me sometimes because people don't quote the whole thing. 
There's no the more. That's the end of the that's the end of the Bible right there. <laughs> the end of the Bible is don't judge because you got a plank in your eye. No, Jesus says remove the plank. Then you can properly get the speck out of your brother's eye. Because you can see clearly. Now you can see clearly. Because now you're doing it without judgment. Now you're doing it out of love. Yeah. Now you're doing it because you realize he's got a, a speck in his eye and you you want to get it out. Instead of saying, you're a horrible person for having a speck in your eye when you, you're like, look, I had a plank. Let me your help speck you with is your, nothing. Your speck is right. <laughs> it's and, so much less and, than than my humbling. crap. I had to get out, right? Because there's the other thing. If the eye is is sick, the whole body is dark. But if the eye is well, then you're full of light. Mm-hmm. I can't remember that verse, but if the, it's dark and light, if the if your if your eye is light, if your, your eye body is, light, is full of light, and and really, and really in context of what we're talking about, that was a. Um, a cliche in Jesus's time for greed. Having a dark eye, what meant you were greedy. And so he's literally saying when you're greedy, your whole body becomes dark. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your right. eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Right. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness... How deep that dark, wow, that's How great. the light you think you have. I think I see clearly, but all I see is the plank and my body is full of darkness. Well, again, and I'm Johnny freaking Ringo. <laughs> I, I'm doing this for my family. Walter I'm, White. I'm, I'm, I'm making money on other people's pain to give my family a place of rest. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep you, everybody safe. I'm just trying to keep everybody safe. I just, I just want to make a little money. I just want to make a little money, man. It's my time. It's my turn. I deserve this. Instead of realizing that your greatest satisfaction is going to be in fighting for others and and not it not being on yourself that's a healthy eye is it not it's not about it's not about you wyatt <laughs> um, <laughs> it's about them it's about the town there there are innocent people here yeah and you're making money off of like, what's the first thing that somebody says to Wyatt when he comes into town? The real money's is in the prostitution and then in the, in the gambling and in the drinking. <laughs> he goes, well, where can I go for that? Like, yeah. he's not even like, it's not like he's doing something constructive with his life to make the money, you know? What's the quick end to money so I can get rich? That's the right enemy. The Bible says, I'm, I'm going to misquote this, so you'll have to look it up. Um, he who controls his own soul, it, it, it's like you've conquered a city. It's, mm. it, you're, you're, stronger, it's, you're, you're stronger than a man who has conquered a city. In other words, if you can control your own soul, you're stronger than any general who has conquered a city. And that's the first battle. The first battle is within my heart. The first battle is is who I am. 
and, and what I think and exposing my own motivation. And there's only one person who can do that, and that's God. I can't even know my own heart. Paul says, Paul says, my conscience doesn't condemn me, but I don't even, I don't trust my conscience. Uh, the spirit has to, I, I, I can't put to death the deeds of the flesh by my own knowledge because all that's going to do is strengthen my own evil. <laughs> I'm just doing it in my own strength. I, it, the, and Paul in Romans says, put to death the deeds of the flesh by the spirit because yeah. up, up to myself, I'm going to try to stop doing things that God doesn't care about, or I'm going to continue to justify doing things that God really does care about. This is yeah. for my family. God, this is for my family. This is, it's good, but it's really about me, right? Yeah. I have to do it with that revelation that God's like, you got a big old plank in your eye, dude. <laughs> let's, let's work on it. And he's not doing it because he hates us. He's doing it because he loves us and he wants to get us into that, that cleansing right place. All right. Did you find right. it? What does it actually say? It's Proverbs 1632. <laughs> I'm going to use the new King James version. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes mm. a city. He who rules his spirit. One of the fruits of the spirit is what? Self-control. One of the fruits of the spirit. Actually, there's only one fruit, but it's part of the fruit. Um, yeah. the, the, the singular fruit. It's like fruit. a nine-part fruit. It's a nine. It's got all sorts of. It's got. It's got it's a all sorts of things. fruit. Um, but it's is the spirit is is the is the fruit of self control. That's not my self control. That's the spirit within me that can help me control my spirit, my my anger, my my monster that I could. I kind of quit on those on that list after love, joy, peace. <laughs> After that, I'm like, man, it's too much work. <laughs> yeah, but the, it's all one fruit, man. It right. all works together. It's like it's like a cell where that has all the mitochondria and it's got all the different parts to it. Like it's it all it's all got to work together. But it's spiritual self control, and and it's the last one. Isn't the last one on the list? Spiritual is self control so. is the last yeah. one on the list. You're making me look up all these verbal. Bible verses. I, you're, I'm making it Google, baby, Google. You ain't got um, that right. So that's the right enemy. The right enemy is is the enemy within myself because then I can I, I then I know my motivation. God really cares about our motivation, man. He really cares why we do what we do. He really cares about this. Are you doing it because of love? You can give all you have to the poor, but if you don't do it out of God's love, it means nothing. You can give your body to be burned. You can speak with the tongues of angels and know all the mysteries of heaven. But if you, you have all the seminary degrees, but if you don't do it in love, it means nothing. Yeah. And so it's what's within my heart. That's the, that's the main battle. And now I can fight the right enemy and others. Because if it was just people who are bad, he would have fought Doc Holliday. Because Doc Holliday, nicely done. Because <laughs> Doc Holliday is not a good guy. I mean, he they basically robbed the casino in the opening when we first meet him. Like, it's right? fine. Like, he's accused of cheating. He's like, oh, we're not friends anymore. That breaks my heart. But they're walking out. 
And you see Kate like take these stacks of money from an entirely different table. It was like, wait, that you, that's not your winnings. That's just house money, literally. <laughs> right. <laughs> just. And I'm not convinced he's not a cheater. I think he's, yeah, as they said, you just won 12 straight hands. That's more than luck. But we need Doc Holliday. We need a friend. Not to not, I am not saying Jesus is Doc Holiday or Doc Holiday is Jesus. <laughs> However, he is a friend who is closer than a brother in this movie. You know, that scene where they're getting ready to go to the OK Corral and he says, uh, and he's like, Doc, you know, this isn't your fight. And that hurts Doc's feelings. He's like, that's yes. a hell of a you, that's a hell of a thing for you to say. That's Be- probably my favorite line. <laughs> it's probably, I'm serious. Like, there's so much depth in in, in that line. It, it it says you if you don't you it, it's like he's angry that you don't know how much I love you. Yeah. And, and he would never say I love you. <laughs> he would never say those words I love you. Even at the end, and they have this great scene. Uh, he, he would never say it. And, and how many how many of us have had those friends where we felt where we felt that close connection and it's not because we have this a fear of being gay or whatever in our culture or even being thought of as gay or being thought of as gay or uh, we we have this lie that we can only be affectionate in in a in in a in a way with women like that's the only time we can be affectionate like which is interesting because the the art of manliness wrote a column about this several years ago if you look at old pictures from the old West, what are the guys doing? Like they're holding hands. hands or something. They're yeah. like, like sometimes sitting on a lap. They're just very comfortable being close because yeah, that you, you had to, you had to be closer than a brother. You had to be, you had to have that. You've got my back because you're in hostile territory. I had to learn some of this when we were in Korea and I had read up an, about it enough so it didn't really shock me but korean men when they are close as friends will hold hands walking yeah, same down the in street. uganda yeah and and so i saw two military guys holding hands you know korean guys and i'm like well you know it's but to them it wasn't there's nothing sexual in that for them it was just an expression of friendship and there was an old guy I told this story before, probably, but there's an old guy, Mr. Song, who broken English. I called him the Korean redneck Yoda. He's broken <laughs> English, but so wise and so loving and so kind. And I could tell a billion stories about him, but he loved us. He kind of worked as the handyman at school. It was one of his like 15 jobs that he had. And he worked at a, as a handyman at the school, at the International Christian School where I worked. And he loved us and gave us a hard time. And and a couple years into it, our time there, we were walking down the street together and he reaches over and takes my hand. And I almost broke down crying in the middle of a Korean street. <laughs> Because what he was saying is, this American is my brother. He's my friend. And it meant something to me very deeply. And 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 we men want this relationship with other men. That's why we love Lethal Weapon. That's why we love buddy cop movies. That's why, that's why we love war movies. That's why we love a lot of these things is because 
and, and, and let me just say, Jesus did have Doc holidays. How many of the disciples that he picked <laughs> as apostles were rough dudes? Simon was a zealot, right? Like these guys were rough dudes. Like Pete, uh, you know, James and John were ready to literally destroy a whole town <laughs> with fire. Let's just kill everybody, right? Like these were not perfect people, but Jesus felt close to them. And he needed them. And he says, you, these are the ones who are with me through my trials. And, and John lays, the same John who he had to correct, you don't, you don't know what spirit you're of, lays his head on his breast. You know, like there was intimacy there. And that's why we love this movie is because as even though they're not perfect guys, they stuck around. And we yeah. want people like that in our life. We need people like that yeah. in our life. And why it would not have survived what had happened in the movie without Doc Holliday. Um, he was always there. And that's beautiful. Yeah, and that's what we see in what should be the closing scene of the movie. <laughs> where where Wyatt goes after they they run through the cowboys and kill them all. Wyatt walks in and sees the the priest doing last rites, knowing that his time is short. And this interaction between Doc and Wyatt really um, sort of symbolizes what they mean to each other. How are we feeling today, Doc? I'm dying. How are you? Pretty much the same. So now we had self-pity, all of frail. All right, Doc. All right, how many cards you want? I don't want to play anymore. How many? Damn, you're the most fallible, stubborn, self-deluded, bullheaded man I've ever known in my entire life. I call. You win. It was all. You're the only human being in my entire life ever gave me hope. What did you want? Just to live a normal life. There's no normal life, why? It's just life. To get on with it. Don't know how. Say goodbye to me. Go grab that spirited actress and make her your own. Take that beauty and run. Don't look back. Live every second. Live right up the hill. Live wide. Live for me. Why, if you ever my friend, if you ever had even the slightest feeling for me, Leave now. Leave now. Please. Thanks for always being there, Doc. And what does he mean by always being there? We see him in the beginning of the movie... He's there when he opens the casino, when they start that. When they go to the OK Corral, he's there. 
when he begins his rampage across the the West to wipe out the Cowboys, he's there. When he's got a one-on-one with Johnny Ringo, Doc Holliday takes his place. No matter where, in this movie, no matter where Wyatt Earp was, Doc was always there. And why was he there? Doc, short of being dead, what the hell are you doing this for anyway? Wyatt Earp is my friend. Yeah, well, I got lots of friends. I don't. And I would argue that that guy doesn't have a lot of friends. What guys do you have that you'd show up for when things are going well? When they're in a battle? when Even when they're going sort of down a dark road? Are you there for them? Are they there for you? Who will you call at 3 o'clock in the morning when chaos hits? And we need those guys around us, those allies around us, as we fight for our own hearts to say, here's the crazy mess that's going on in my mind. Mm -hmm. And to say, hey, man, I'm I'm sorry you're going through that, but we love you. That's so good. I I was was just what I was going to say. Like, here's why we need these allies. Like, if you watch the movie, Doc Holliday isn't worshiping Wyatt. It's not hero worship. He gives Wyatt a hard time. Oh no no! I'm I'm I, I'm if she comes in, I'm just going to ignore her. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're an oak or whatever. You know <laughs> why like, you are like, an oak? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like he calls him on his crap, but he's there. That's the kind of, that's intimacy. That's the kind of intimacy all guys want. That's why even in the romantic comedies or these action movies where they have the girl, that's the kind of girl they have that call them on their crap, but won't leave them. Stick around and respect them and fight with them. That's what, that's what we want. That's what we want in our guy friends. We want guy friends who know our faults, who know how broken we are at times and love us anyway. Because one of our fears is that if people really knew us, they wouldn't love us. So then we don't, we're not vulnerable and that, that means we're, we're isolated and all that stuff. So here's a guy who knows the worst of Wyatt and sticks around. And those are the kind of people that when they do call out the planks in our eyes or the specks in our eyes, like we take it seriously because they do know us. Yeah. They know us better than anybody. And they know that if we do or we, whatever we do about the plank, they're not, they're still not going to leave. <laughs> that's a really important piece is that's, that's our fear, right? We can't be real unless uh, we're afraid that if we are real, they'll leave. Right. And so we keep them at, at distance, but to even to say to some, somebody else, Hey dude, no matter what happens, I'm your friend. I'm here. This is what I want. I'm committing to our friendship. Come hell or high water, which is a different Western, I think. <laughs> One of them. That's in there somewhere. <laughs> and, but that commitment is what what we see with with Doc and Wyatt. Yeah, and that's that's who the disciples were for Jesus. We're we're not going to go see Lazarus. Good because they're they're trying to kill you. In Jerusalem, which well, is let's like, go. We'll 
die with you. And when he finally goes, we're going, we're going to go see Lazarus. He's asleep. Or actually, he's actually dead, but we're going. Yeah. And, and they said, well, let's go die with him. That is who Doc Holliday was in the movie. All right. If you're in, I'm in. That's a hell of a thing to say to me, Wyatt. You don't know by now that it doesn't matter. He literally picks, by the way, you know, talk about, you know, guy movies, uh, the, the, you know, buddy cop movies are like romantic comedies. He literally picks Wyatt over the woman at one point. Like, I don't know if we see this context, but he's sick and he ends up going like, I'm sorry, you need to go find something else to do. This isn't fair to you. But he doesn't do that with what he, he does that with Wyatt at the very end where he's like, if you love me, you would. I don't want I don't want you to see me die. I don't want to see you. I don't want you to see me like this. Um, so he does kind of do that with Wyatt at the end. But. But yeah, man, we need those people because that's how we fight the monster within us. Because we're like, well, at least there's one guy or one person or a handful of people. It doesn't have to be many. There's at least one person that knows the monster in me and loves me anyway. That actually gives me strength to fight the monster, right? That actually makes me go, well, I don't, now I really don't want to be the monster. Now I really want to be a hero. And Wyatt was that for Doc too. And so for Wyatt, I mean, for Doc, it kept him from going, from becoming Ringo. Yeah. Wyatt kept Doc from becoming Ringo, which he could have been. He's like, he reminds me of me. <laughs> I could now have been I that hate guy. Him. <laughs> now I hate him. <laughs> and, and Doc got and all so, the best lines. He did. And so in that last scene is one of my favorite lines, too, where he says he, he's putting Wyatt down and, and, you know, you're this and you're that or I forget all the things he says. He goes, but you're the only human being that ever gave me hope. And what a thing to say at the end of your life when you're dying and you're the only person who ever gave me hope. And what does what, what does Wyatt give him? And, and and by the way, all the stuff that happens, not all, but a lot of the stuff that happens with Wyatt Earp after, like, when he wanted to retire was the stuff he was famous for, by the way. That's, that's a whole <laughs> other podcast. When he wanted to quit and he didn't was actually the stuff he was known for, the gunfight at the OK Corral, you know, all that sort of stuff, all the penny you know, stories and stuff. But he had written a book or a little pamphlet or whatever it was. My friend, Doc Holliday. And that should have been the end of the movie. <laughs> it was a, like, I get it. They were trying to give, resol like, they were trying to give resolution to this whole Dana Delaney, whatever her name, Josephine thing. And they tried to make it work, but it kind of doesn't to me. But that connection, that intimate connection that he and Doc had, we need people to fight with us. Even Jesus needed people to fight with him. Come and pray with me. Come and pray with me. What are you doing asleep? Can't you stay awake? <laughs> like I need, like even the son of God, that doesn't make him imperfect. It's actually completion. That's actually a sign that you are of God 
that you need other people. Does that make sense? Adam was completely perfect and sinless when God says you need help. That doesn't, it doesn't say less about you. It says that you're more complete, that you accept help when other people try to give it to you, right? So the challenge walking out of here is one of, it's one of two things. One is if you have some, some men around you, if you have a man, a guy, be willing to be vulnerable and say, Hey, I, here's some of my stuff. Here's who, here's the stuff I'm really struggling with. Here's the monster I'm afraid of becoming and trust them to handle that. Or the other side is commit, commit to somebody who does that and say, Hey, no matter what happens, I'll be here. No matter what happens, I'll be here, you know, every Tuesday night or whenever you meet or whatever you do stuff. Hey, if you do this, I'm there with you. Um, because you're going to need it in the battle to come so that to help you remind you who you are, remind you who they are and to keep you from becoming Johnny Ringo. Yeah. Amen. So this has been Paul McDonald and Britt Mooney talking about Tombstone on its 30th anniversary. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. No, no, Daisy. You know Daisy at all. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? Oh,